You're listening to the Promise Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Amen. All right. Well, I'm excited to share with you today. How many of you are excited that today is day 21 of fasting and prayer? Amen. Amen. I am, I am, I am excited for tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, don't overdo it though, right? Don't, don't, uh, have steak and potatoes tomorrow. Maybe potatoes, but not, no steak. But before, before we jump into the word today, I just, I'm not going to share long. Uh, I'm going to share just a, a couple of thoughts. I feel like the Lord has, has spoken to me over these last couple of weeks that I want to share with you what I feel like he's inviting us into. And then we're going to have some more time in worship at the end and just really seal and celebrate the season of 21 days and really just you go after him even more in that, that place of hunger for the Lord. Okay? So before we jump in, though, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We set our hearts and our attention on you. God, we need you. Lord, I ask that you would make your presence so tangible in this room. God, that every person here would experience you, would hear you, would feel you. And Lord, I ask, God, that you would touch every person watching online right now, Lord, that they would sense you in their homes and wherever they're watching. God, that I ask that you would speak to us and transform us to make us more like you. God, you're all we desire. You're our heart's cry. And we give you all praise and glory and honor for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last week, Pastor Aaron preached an amazing message around the idea of hunger and desiring another touch from the Lord and desiring to go deeper in the Lord and not be comfortable or complacent with where we have been. And I believe that that's, today I want to continue in that thought and be able to, you know, articulate some things to encourage us and exhort us to continue there and pursuing the Lord. We cannot get comfortable. We cannot get complacent. We cannot settle for the status quo or for what we have known or what we are used to. God is inviting us deeper as the promised church. And it's up to us to respond. It's up to us to say yes. It's up to us to say whatever that looks like, Lord, whatever that takes, I'm all in. And so I just want to share a passage of scripture with you that the Lord's been bringing me to throughout these last couple weeks, and it's in Exodus 33. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 33. Uh, Before I read uh, in Exodus 32, the Israelites are in the wilderness. They've been waiting for Moses to come down off the mountain. He's been on the mountain for 40 days with the Lord. And they began to grow impatient and they began to worship idols. They began to worship a golden calf and say that this was the God who delivered us out of Egypt. And so Moses comes down. The, the judgment of the Lord comes against the people. Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. Judgment stops. But the Lord tells Moses shortly after this, okay, Moses, You lead the people into the promised land, and I'll send an angel to go ahead of you, but I won't go with you, otherwise I might kill them on the way, because they're a rebellious and stiff-necked people. You might have felt that way, maybe with a child or a friend once in a while, you know, don't have to fully confess that. Um, But this was what happened, and this is what Moses' response was. He got alone with the Lord. And he pleaded with the Lord on his knees before the Lord, God, don't leave us. And this is what it says right here in verse 12. This is Moses' cry to the Lord on behalf of the nation of Israel. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. 
but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you. That's got to be all of our hearts cry right there. Teach me your ways, Lord, that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all of the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Today, that's what I want to talk about is, Lord, show us your glory. You see, right here in this passage, Moses recognized and valued the presence of God above all else. He could have gone on leading the nation with an angel and went into the promised land. But he said, no, God, we're not going anywhere. I don't want to go anywhere without your presence. Your presence means more to me than anything else. And he begins to plead with the Lord in that moment. And the Lord actually, in a sense, like changed his heart and his mind about the situation. And he said, okay, my presence will go with you. And Moses could have stopped right there. He could have been like, oh, thank you. This is so great. Thank you that your presence is going to go with us. All right, what should you have me do now? He could have been comfortable with that. He could have been settled for that. He could have been great with that. And I think for the most of us, we would be like, yes, that's awesome. I will, that's, thank you, God, for doing that. Even though you said you weren't, now you are. This is, this is so great. Thank you for hearing me and answering my prayer. But there was something in Moses in that moment that wanted more. They decided to go a little bit deeper. They said, I, Lord, I know you. And I know that your presence is everything, but I know that there's more of you that I haven't even seen yet. There's more of you that I haven't experienced yet. There's more of you that I want and that I need. And so what did he say? He says, Lord, show me your glory. And this is what I believe like the Lord, that what the Lord said to me a couple weeks ago about us as the promised church. We've been, a, we've been marked as a people of the presence of God. But now, if we want it, we can be a people of the glory. And there's something different about the glory than just his presence. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it looks like. I don't understand it. I'm honest with you. I really don't. But I can't say that there isn't more with how I see how Moses responded. Moses said, if we don't have your presence, God, what makes us different than anybody else? What else that makes us distinguished from every other nation, from any other people group, from any other person, if we don't have your presence? And this is how we have been for the last couple of years, is in this place of God. We want your presence to stay here. We want you to dwell here. We want to be a house of the Lord where you are in control, where you, this is your house. You are not the honored guest, but you reside here. You dwell 
here. And he's showed us different things and how to walk that out and how to model that, how to live that. He's showed us about first love and loving him first above all else. He's talked to us about hunger. He's talked to us about humility, holiness, and honor as things that the Lord is wanting to build in us where he is looking for people that he can stay with and he can dwell with. And this is what he wants in us. We've talked about these things many times in, in, in various ways and titles of messages and, and topics and scriptures. But this is what he's been showing us. And I believe that the Lord has more to show us of what it means to carry his glory. And I'm excited for that. And I want that. And I'm inviting all of us together in, into that place to say, let's go, church. 21 days of prayer and fasting are, are almost over. But there, God has so much more. He's not wanting you to live a, a, a season of prayer and fasting. He wants you to live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. A lifestyle of dead to self, alive in Christ, all in for him. This is what he's inviting us into. And in that place of the glory of God, I do know this, that it, the glory must be honored. There must be a reverence. There must be an awe. There must be a holiness about it. There must be a fear of the Lord that takes place in people's hearts when we think of the presence and the glory of God. Because let's be honest, without God, this is a weird social club meeting. The, the church of Jesus Christ was never meant to be known for its structures, its strategies, its programs, its leadership, its songs. It was meant to be known for the presence of God. Purely and simply. Now, we should lead the way in those things because we have him. But we should not be known for those things. And for far too long, we have put people and their own wants and their own desires and their own needs and their own comfort zones above the Lord. And so we've catered to people in the American church for so long that now we actually go to churches thinking, how will they meet my needs? How will they feed me? Oh, I didn't like something that they said. I didn't like that song. It was too loud. Because it's all about you. It's got to be all about him. In your own life personally, and for us corporately, it's all about him. What else makes us different than anybody else if we don't have his presence? And without his presence, everything is dry, dead, a, a waste of time. We must value, we must protect his presence. There's this tension that will always exist for us as leaders here of freedom of expression and worship and protecting the glory. And I feel like in the body of Christ at large, especially in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches, we have sacrificed a holiness and a reverence and an awe for the presence and glory of God because we want freedom of worship because we're afraid of legalism. So we have, we have pulled away from anything that sounds like structure and legalism so that we can be free. But in that freedom, we have become familiar and casual with the presence of God. We have become too comfortable. I'm telling you, if he shows up in all of his splendor and his glory... No one will be able to stand up. We'll all be on our faces. There will be an awe. There will be a reverence. And I feel like at times, I'm not saying all of us here, but I feel like even at times here, we come in casually. 
We come in flippantly. We don't come in to be with God. We want to see our friends, which is all great. We believe in community and being a family together. It's all wonderful. But like, we, we have an opportunity to experience something corporately when we gather that isn't the same when you're alone with him. You must be alone with him. You must spend time alone with him. But when we come together to worship the Lord, there got, there's got to be an awe. There's got to be a reverence. There's got to be a holiness about it. I'm just going to be real plain with you and really upfront with you because the Lord is killing me. You don't show up late for work, but you show up late for church. I don't understand. When you value something fully and properly, you are early. You're excited. You're ready to go. You don't come in on the second song and just go, oh, this is nice. Oh, wow, it's too loud. Like, you're engaged. You're going. And maybe that challenges you. Maybe that offends you. But I'm calling you up. The Lord is asking us to go deeper. And it can't look the same as it did before. And you know I love you. So if you need a hug later, just come find me. When the glory shows up, amazing things happen. Unexplainable things happen. Miracles of all kinds. Think of the the Israelites as they made their journey from Egypt to the promised land. There was miraculous things that happened all the time. They were literally a people of the glory of God, but they didn't know it. They complained still. They grumbled against the Lord. They wanted something different. They wanted to go back to the world, to Egypt that they lived in before. They wanted to go back to their bondage and their sin and their slavery. They had miracles every day. Bread appeared in a desert on the ground for them to eat. Miracles. There was a pillar of fire and a pillar of a cloud that led them every day. The tangible glory of God in a fire would rest upon the tabernacle. Crazy miracles, like enough water to come out of a rock to quench the thirst of over millions of people. That's what happens when the glory shows up. Crazy miracles, radical healing, radical signs and wonders, miraculous provision. But I'll tell you what, I'm not interested in all those things. Those are great, and man, when they come, we will celebrate them and we will thank God for them. But this is what the scripture shows me, that the glory of God is the face of Jesus. And we must stay simple, and we must stay singular in our focus of saying, God, we just want you. We're not after the stuff. We're after you. The glory of God is in the face of Christ, which means there's more revelation of who he is. We get to know him more. We get to grow in him and and know him more deeply. Just as Moses said, Lord, teach me your ways that I may know you. I've been married for 15 years, and I've known my wife even longer than that. And I'm still in a place of wanting to pursue her to know her more. No matter how long you're married to someone, you still aren't going to fully, maybe you, maybe you think you know them, and I, and I do know her, and she knows me, but like there's, I know that there's more. So I want to continue that growth of relationship. The Lord is the same way. In fact, way more and way bigger than any human you could get to know. He's unfathomable. I think I said that right. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 says this, The God of this age, which is the devil, 
has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Here we see that the gospel reveals the glory of God. This is why it's so powerful and so important that we preach the full and pure gospel to the world and to everyone that we're around because it reveals the glory of Christ who is the image of God. He is God and he is the full representation of God. Verse five, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And this is why so many churches are struggling. This is why there's not revival in America right now because there's too many pastors and preachers preaching things of themselves, self-help programs, self-improvement programs, and whatever things that the, that the world would could come up with to help people instead of preaching Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. The last couple, over the last couple months, uh, there's been a couple messages that I think Scott did a couple, I think Aaron did one about shepherds. Jesus is the good shepherd and we're his sheep. And Psalms 23 is a great passage of scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. But I'm, and it goes on to list so many great benefits and aspects of the Lord being our shepherd. But if he isn't Lord, you get none of that. He must be Lord for you to receive anything he has for you. He can save you. You may not go to hell but for you to experience the fullness of life, he must be Lord. The problem is in America, we've preached the gospel without the cross. That, that tells people, just come to Jesus and he'll make your life better. He's not interested in making your life better. He's not interested in, a, in an improvement program for you. He wants to kill the old you and give you a brand new person so you're a new creation in Christ. The only way to be better, the only way to be improved is to die and allow new life Jesus, his spirit, to come inside of you. Sorry, I'm passionate right now. Verse 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The glory of God is displayed in the face of Christ. Hebrews 1.3, the son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Though we should be very hungry for more of God, though we should be very hungry for the glory of God and to experience him in a deeper way, we cannot in any way desire those things for any of our own glory, for any of our own agenda, for any of our own promotion or recognition. It is not about us. We want to make Jesus famous. If we're never famous, perfect. It must be about him. It cannot be about what he can do, but about who he is. He can do everything. Nothing is impossible for him. I've asked this question a couple times over the years. If everything on your prayer list Jesus answered today, would you still pursue him as passionately tomorrow as you had been? Are you only pursuing the Lord for what you need, for what he can do for you? Or are you pursuing him for him, to know him? And it must be that simple. It must be in that place. Because when you recognize him in that way and you receive him in that way, you'll recognize he is enough. And then all of a sudden things will begin to fall in place in your life. And now you're, you're approaching him 
not to be your need need meter, but you're approaching him as a friend in love with him. And you are saying, Lord, I have these things and I know you know about them. Please help me with these things. But more than anything, Lord, I just want you. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, this is what Paul is addressing with the church in Corinth. He says, I fear that somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Think about it for a second. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had everything. They had full access to God, no sin. They were in this beautiful garden. Everything was provided for them. And somehow the devil deceived them to think that they needed more. They needed more than God. This is the trap of the world. This is the trap of our society to, to make us think that we need more than God. There must be a simplicity, a singleness of focus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is what God wants to do. This is where that phrase, what you, be, what you behold, you become, comes from. If you put your attention on the Lord and you give him your affection and your love and your pursuit, all of a sudden he will transform you to become more like him. You can't look here and hope to fix here. You must look at him, behold him, and all of a sudden you are transformed. All the problems that are going on in your own personal life or in your family, in your life, and you're focused on those things. You begin to look like him. He makes you more like, you, he makes you more like Jesus. And then all of a sudden the problems begin to dissipate because the problems are being resolved inside of you. And he takes you from glory to glory, which shows me that there's more. Shows me that there's always more. He wants to take us from one glory to the next glory. And it's all amazing and glorious. I just want to read a couple scriptures just to end this time before we jump into worship. I want to read some scriptures throughout, some in the Old, one in the New Testament, of when the glory of God showed up. Just to whet our appetite. Just to stir hunger inside of us for what is possible. Just stir a desire in us to say, I'm not slowing down. I'm not stopping. I'm going after you, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing, but God, I know you have more. I want to know you more every day. This first one is in Exodus chapter 40, where the tabernacle has just been fully put together and they're about to begin the practice of worship and sacrifices in the tabernacle. In verse 34 of chapter 40, it says this, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Think of it for a second. Moses, who was up on a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights without food or water in the glory of God, who came down with his face shining like the sun, couldn't even enter the tabernacle because of the glory of God. I'm perfectly fine if one Sunday the glory of God fills this room and we have to do church in the parking lot because we can't even get in here. Hopefully it's in the summer. Second Chronicles chapter 5. 
Verse 13, now this is when the temple that Solomon built is about to be dedicated. Verse 13, the trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, which is why we have a full band. Praise God. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good and His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Come on, think about it. If our worship team could not even begin to play, and they couldn't sing, and everyone was on their face because of the glory of God, I'm okay with that, are you? Or are you gonna be weirded out and be like, that doesn't fit in my religious box, and I don't understand that. You're not gonna understand when the glory shows up. Just get used to it. Chapter six, Solomon prays this amazing prayer before the people and before the Lord. He's on his knees and his arms are spread out before the people. In front of him is the people, behind him is the priests and the temple. And after he finished praying, this is in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites, when all the people there saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying he is good, his love endures forever. Can you see it? Can you picture it? A whole nation standing before the temple. The fire of God falls literally on a sacrifice and the glory fills the temple and the whole people fall on their face in awe and reverence and begin to worship. In Isaiah, chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah has this encounter with the Lord. Verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, which are angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah hit the deck. This is in the Old Testament. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul shows us that the Old Covenant had glory, but that the New Covenant has a surpassing glory, has a greater glory. That what Moses experienced was a fading glory, but what we have is way better. How much more does God have for us in the new covenant? How much more does he have for us in this place of grace? But because we're in grace, it does not give us license to take his mercy and to take his grace and his love casually or flippantly or become familiar. He is still the same God that he was in 2 Chronicles, that he was in Exodus. Would you all please stand with me as I read this last one. This is in Mark chapter 9. 
Verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. Essentially, the glory of God shone through him, similar to how he had his glory before he came to this earth as a man. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. I would be too. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. What is this showing us right here in this passage? No prophet from the Old Testament compares to Jesus. No person of today compares to Jesus. There is no one that can stand with him. He stands alone as God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Father is still speaking the same message today as he was on that mountain. This is my son. Pay attention to him. Focus on him. Listen to him. It's all about him. And as they come down the mountain from Jesus' glory in that moment, I know there had to be like a residual effect, just like it was with Moses as he came down. In verse 14, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd and the teachers of the law arguing with them. In verse 15, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. And I want to ask you this morning, do you still have your wonder of the Lord? Do you still have a wonder for him and awe of him? Where you want to know him more, where you're desperate for him, where you're tired of being where you were, you're tired of the status quo, and you're like, God, I want more of you and I want to know you more. And I don't know what that looks like, and it's going to look different for every person, but he's inviting you deeper. He's asking for more of you. Will you spend more time alone with him? Will you give him things that he's been asking you to give him for a long time? Will you lay down your dreams, your desires, your, your future, and say, Jesus, I trust you fully, whatever you have for me. Will you let him have control of your finances? Will you let him, let him lead your marriage? Let, will you let him lead your parenting? He's asking for more. And we want more. So church, we're going to sing. We're going to worship right now in this moment. I encourage you, you can come to the front. You can come out of your rows into the, the sides and the aisles. But I encourage you to go after the Lord with all that you have. He's so good. Lord, we desire you, Lord. God, we want to see you. We want to see you in your glory, in your power, in your majesty, in your splendor. Let your glory fall in this place, Lord. Show us your glory. God, we desire you above all else. Pour out your spirit, Lord.
on, love on him. Worship him. There's no one like him. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. He's majestic. He's full of splendor and awe. Come on, church. This is your king. This is your Lord. This is Jesus the Christ. The one true God. There's no one like him. Sounds like waters. Jesus, you're beautiful. 
Let's sing that bridge. There's no one like him. There's none that compares to you, Jesus. There's none that compares to you, Lord. Only you satisfy, Lord. Only you fulfill. Only you satisfy, Lord. turn the house lights up just a little bit if there's if there's anyone here and you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus where you know him personally I mean like you know that you know him Scott uses the the great example of a gift if I was to give you a gift and you take that home and someone was to ask you if that gift is yours you would say yes that's my gift because I've received when you know Jesus you have assurance of salvation you know him and you're not afraid to die you know that you will spend eternity with him in heaven if you don't know that if anything these last months and last year has shown us that we are not promised tomorrow we are not guaranteed our future you need to know you might have been in church your whole life and you know a lot about God but you don't know him If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus and you want to begin a a, a different journey of knowing Him, I just want you to raise your hand. Is there anyone here? I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Jeffrey and Aurora. Could you guys go pray with her? She's in the back there. Or, sorry, he's in the back there. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would mark us with your presence, Lord. 
We thank you that you have marked us as a people of your presence. But Lord, we ask for more. And God, we say, Lord, mark us as a people of your glory. Show us your glory. God, we need you. We're desperate for you. Make us more like you. Transform us, Lord, into your image. God, that we would not leave this time. We would not leave this place. We would not transition out of these 21 days of prayer and fasting. Go back to life as casual. Go back to life as normal. And just get back into a rut or routine of something. God, that you would stir up greater hunger, greater passion and desperation in us to go deeper in you, Lord. God, that you would teach us what it looks like to live a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. What it looks like to live a lifestyle of hunger for you and desperation for you, Lord. Show us, God. Teach us your ways, Lord, that we may know you more. For you're all we want. You're all we need. And we give you all praise and all glory and all honor. We thank you, Jesus. You might hear a message like this today and go, okay, what does this mean for me Monday morning? What does this mean for me Wednesday afternoon? I want to tell you to go after the Lord even more than you have in your time alone with Him. To make sure and prioritize His presence Monday through Saturday. Sunday is not enough. A small group on Sunday is not enough. He needs to be your Lord, your Savior, your King, the one that you're in love with for you personally. Spend time in the Word every day. Every day, His Word is alive. It will speak to you. It will cut you. It will train you. It will teach you. Spend time in prayer with the Lord every day. Thanking Him is a good place to start. Thanking Him for who He is, what He's done for you. Spend time in worship every day, just reminding yourself of who He is and exalting Him above everything and putting your affection and attention towards Him. And I recommend in prayer being silent before the Lord, waiting on the Lord to hear His voice. For His voice is unlike any other. And in His voice is real meal, is real meat, is real food. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just ask, God, that you would teach us your ways, that we would know you. I ask to grace every person in this room and watching online, God, as they go after you for more, Lord God, that they, you would show them what that looks like for them, that you would show them what you're wanting them to step into in a deeper place, Lord. We surrender fully to you, Lord. We say, have your way. We're yours. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.